Sandy Clough and Sean Trotar. Weekdays at 2 on Mile High Sports. Seattle was going to come out and be a desperate team tonight. They're not going to want to come to Denver on the brink of you guys clinching. Um, what did you feel maybe went not wrong, but you guys, it definitely wasn't the best first period. You seemed to battle back, but was it too little too late? What would you say is the, the diagnosis for tonight's loss? Yeah, I think they outworked us. Um, I think they were ready from the puck drop, and we didn't do enough to kind of weather that. And um, when a team comes out strong like that, it's kind of in the MO of the series. you got to kind of get pucks by them and make them go defend, make them play 200 feet, and um, use their aggression against them. And I don't think we... Uh, we did enough things to do that. That was, of course, uh, from Out the Television, Katie Goss, who we often hear here on this program, asking uh, Evan Rodriguez about the game. And uh, Great question. I, I thought he... And a terrific answer. Didn't dance around it, and I, I, I think some of the Avs, there's the temptation when you lose in overtime, you're like, oh, we were right there. And I, I think Rodriguez correctly called out that from the initial puck drop, they were they were more hungry. We were outworked, and you heard him basically say, "At no point did we ever really outwork them." No, and and not uh, really. good. And, and I think you know what? It's good to hear Rodriguez say that. And on top of that, I, I understand he's not Nathan McKinnon, he's not Mika Randon, he's not Kale McCarr. He's not, I get all that. He's one of the handful of Avalanche who have been consistently good in this series. Well. The stats back you up, my friend. Rodriguez has not scored a goal in this series. He is plus four. Yeah, because he knows what line he's on. <laughs> McKinnon <laughs> is plus four. Mm-hmm. Wackenham, though, playing a good part of the series on that line, right? Plus one. Nishushkin, minus two. And he hasn't played in each one of the games, as we discussed earlier. The only two ads. At plus four are McKinnon and Rodriguez. I think they've been the two best of the Avalanche skaters in this series in terms of their being good every game. And McKinnon's obviously been great, even superhuman, in a couple of the four games. And I suspect he will be close to that form tomorrow night. Um, They reacted well to McKinnon last night. Banged him around a little bit, crowded him. Reminded me a bit of what we talked about yesterday with George Carl on Jamal Jamal Murray, Murray. who got crowded by Minnesota. They Mm -hmm. decided the strategy, hey, crowding Jokic is a losing strategy. He'll just pass out of double and triple teams, and they'll get dunks, and they'll get wide-open threes, and so on. Crowding Murray, though, may alter the way they play a bit more. And the Nuggets have been averaging 117 a game through the first three games in the series, and they scored 108 in game four. So big move by Minnesota. And I thought Seattle uh, handled the top line last night reasonably well, and it was Renton who scored the two goals. And Renton was tremendous. Renton was their best player last night by a country mile. Yeah. He was great. And it was his heroics that got them back even after two periods. And I must confess, going into the third period, not because they were out playing Seattle, but because, you know, Seattle has to be thinking, what do we have to do? We're ahead, it seems like, 2 nothing in every game, and we can't hold the lead. 
but they didn't sneak one past group hours. I thought they might in the third period. It goes to overtime. They get a well-deserved power play, a clear penalty on Manson, and they take advantage of it. They get a good bounce, but that happens sometimes if sure. you're on the power play often enough, and they've been on the power play a ton in this series to the point where they've now scored three power play goals. One didn't mean anything. It was at the tail end of game right. three, and the Avs were ahead 6-3 at the time, but the other two have hurt. And uh, they got one last night after the McCarr penalty, and obviously the game winner in the overtime was on a power play. And the Avs have all of one power play goal, and their power play has been dreadful with Kale McCarr in this series. So I'm not one of those who believes, I think the Athletic had a note on this today, well, McCarr's absence in game five is disastrous. Well, Apart from one game, I don't think McCarr has been very good in this series. He, he hasn't looked. Yeah, he had one explosive either. game where he looked he like himself, and that was in Game Three. I, I, I didn't think he was very good last night. I didn't think Taves was that good last night. I thought their best two defensemen by far were Byram and Gerard last night. Yeah, and uh, you talk about those lucky bounces. This is one of the things that frustrated me about about the Avs, and it frustrates me at times when they, uh, and we've seen it on the power play. Too. We've seen it on the power play a lot, and I think the, the Kraken's power play uh, hopefully provided an illustration that Jared Bednar can lean into because, yeah, you heard about, okay, a bit of a lucky bounce on, on the final goal. But you know how you get lucky bounces? You have to shoot the puck. Well, That's yes. how you get lucky and, bounces. And you get lucky bounces when you've got the other side outnumbered. And when you don't get <laughs> outshot. Mean, the odds are two to one. pucks are going to go your yeah, way. They were outshot almost two to one. Understood. I mean, disastrous. You simply cannot allow that team to outwork you i look i get it it's oversimplified it's it's one of those cliche quotes when wayne gretzky's right you miss 100 of the shots you don't take the avalanche need to stop taking the perfect shot and start taking yeah. the shot i didn't think they had that much of an opportunity though last night to take any shot a lot of their shots were blocked even mccarr's shots really weren't getting through uh i i just was thoroughly unimpressed with it, it, there and 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 maybe that's that's part of this team this year. Their performance fluctuates a lot more than it did last year. Last year, even in the games they lost in the playoffs, you had the feeling they could have won the games. Uh, yeah, they caused their own problems at times, and other times they were unlucky. I didn't think they were unlucky last night. I didn't think they were missing chances to shoot. I just didn't think they were getting shots through. And, you know, other than rent, and there was no magic in their game offensively there was there wasn't even again 22 shots on goal and shots on goal aren't everything but i thought they did well to score two goals on 22 shots yeah they did and the the truth of the matter in this series thus far because look the abs the abs have played an underwhelming game one an underwhelming first period of game two before they looked good right um Four bad periods to start. Right. Then they look good. Then they then they won game three and they lost game four. The series is not obviously over. It's a three-game series. The Avs get two of them at home. All right. But I think it is fair to say, at this stage, which we've now watched four games in the series, the thing that is shocking me, that even given the Avs injury situation, is that they are getting outskated. The physical nature of yep. Seattle doesn't surprise me. A more physical team. But the Avs are simply getting out skated and the abs don't usually get out skated by an opposition and since they're not a physical team if you're gonna get themselves 
if you're going to find, you know, if you're going to find yourself outskated this Colorado Avalanche yeah. team, you are tempting yeah. disaster. And and last night, you know, McCann goes out, and I know he isn't their whole team, but he's a forty goal scorer. I don't have any. It's not the Avalanche with McKinnon and Renton, right? With a forty goal scorer, a fifty plus goal scorer. He goes out. I didn't see any drop off in their game collectively, and I still thought the Avalanche in their own end were having all kinds of problems getting out cleanly. And that resulted in their inability to forecheck and also limited their scoring chances. You can't get out of your own end. You're just dumping it out as kind of a last-ditch attempt to relieve pressure. And I kind of thought Georgie had kept them in the game, kept it 2-2 for as long as he could, but it gets the overtime and they get a power play. And... It, it, the penalty kill on that particular sequence was dreadful. They they, ne- they never cleared the puck before the winning goal was scored. I don't know that they ever had possession of the puck before the game-winning goal was scored. And last time I looked, they didn't have a great power play with McCann. And without McCann, they looked like the Edmonton Oilers on that particular power play in the overtime. They looked like Edmonton. They had the puck the whole time. A goal seemed inevitable. And, yeah, they got a good bounce, but if they hadn't gotten that bounce, they would have scored a few seconds later. It, it, it felt like it for sure. I mean, this has been a – this was a game where they just uh, – Rodriguez was right. They, they weren't in it. And uh, the, the variability sure, – it could have stolen it, but they didn't deserve it. As you pointed out, I thought that was interesting. I thought the, 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 the point you made, I think that's really fascinating. And – What's your concern level? We now know that the the abs will be minus Kale McCarr. Now I think you made the point that uh, McCarr hasn't looked phenomenal, it's, and the abs played well without him when he was gone. And, and Byram can play more. Nachushkin is last expected night. to be out more on him in a minute. Yeah. But my concern level with the abs, I'm not on maybe red alert. Oh it, no, no, but it, no. But it's yellow. It's yellow. I think they'll win the next two games. I I really do. Yes, because I think the wounded tiger theory applied a bit to the Seattle Kraken last night when they lost McCann. But they won't have him in game five. And they know they won't have him in game five. And it's one thing during the course of a game. The injury came at the end of the first period. It's one thing to get through the next two periods and power play in the overtime, win the game without him over 60 minutes in game five and over 60 minutes or more in game six, same thing with game five, 60 minutes or more. I think they'll miss him. I I, I do. And I, I, you know, McCarr's getting suspended for one game, but they don't have McCann for the rest of the series, just as the avalanche presumably don't have Nishushkin for the rest of the series. Right. And to be honest, I think Seattle needs McCann a hell of a lot more than the Abs need Nishushkin. It does feel like it. And then if if you're worried about minutes on defense, dress seven defensemen. Play 11 forwards. There are three or four of them who aren't playing anyway. You can certainly get away with dressing 11 forwards. I mean, I'm looking at the ice time last night. This is on the third line. Ben Myers, five minutes, 27 seconds. Dennis Morgan, who's been a joke in this series, how bad he's been. All right, just... The complete non-fact. You and I have been as big a factor in this series as Dennis Morgan has been. He's been terrible. And Bednar obviously agrees. He played them all at 502 
last night. Now, I, I get it. He doesn't play on the power play, and he doesn't kill penalties. But 502? 502 is. In a, in a game that lasted more than 60 minutes? That's bad. I, you don't need it. Newhook has been beyond awful in this series. He he cost them what was at the time the tying goal the other night with, at best, indifferent defensive play. He only played 646 last night. So you're telling me they can't replace any one of those three and, and just just sit them and play 11 I mean, forwards the ice telling. play seven defensemen, play Hunt, and you're play right. Jack Johnson if he can play. The ice time is telling. It really is. I mean, it, it, that's when you can tell that Bednar is unhappy when you run a guy. I mean, that... that Five minutes? Five, yeah, between 502 and 646. third line right wing, you're playing five minutes that's, out of 60. That's when the coach decides that what you're doing is a disaster and I can't put you back on the, out on the ice anymore. And and that's obviously a concern. And every time I see Morgan, he's he's getting brushed and he's all over the place. Uh, he, he's completely The physicality of the Kraken yeah, seems to yeah, be yeah, bothering. Yeah, it's, it's bothering It's bothering him, the Avalanche. It's bothering, bothering New Hook. Some players more than others. Uh, ben Myers had his moments, I thought, the other night. But again, he's not going to play in the power play. He's never going to kill a penalty. And, you know, it, on that same line, Eller, centering that line, 16 minutes. Mm-hmm. His two wingers, 527 and 502. What does that tell you? Eller, now, Eller again, kills penalties. Yeah, and and I, I thought that would have played okay. I, I mean, Eller's not going to give you a lot of offense. But, I, th- I you know, I thought his defense was okay. The, the minus players last night. Were Cogliano minus one, Newhook minus one, and Gerard minus one. I actually thought Gerard played a pretty good game. Uh, Newhook got no ice time, and you say, "Well, I, I, why do you let Gerard off off? Because he played twenty four minutes. That's why." Yeah, the coach thought he was playing splendidly. Yeah, obviously, Elsie uh, doesn't get twenty four minutes. You know who's playing badly? Manson twelve thirty one, Eric Johnson eleven fifty one. Can't have him out there. Now it. it the one effect of McCarr's absence tomorrow, those guys are going to have to play 15, 16 minutes. Yeah. And they're going to have to get it together, and I, especially you know, man. And I don't mind your, especially your suggestion there where maybe you're like, you know what? I get it. Uh, Brad Hunt at his peak play is Hunt. not as good as some of the other guys. But, uh, he, but play Hunt, been, he, he can shoot the puck. He's been fine. And he's been, he's been steady enough. He's not a liability. I'd play him. I would. And, and, and I, quite frankly... Play him 10 to 12. Minutes. I might look at replacing Manson. He does not look right. I don't know if it's rusty or I don't know if okay. he's maybe. He well, doesn't you, look right. You're telling me you can't get Brad Hunt 12 minutes, 31 sure seconds. That, that's sure the amount of time Manson plays. Yeah, I think you could do that easily. I do. And so I think there's. Uh, I, I'm more worried about the Avs' chances than you are. And, and yeah, maybe. I, I, that's probably you know, accurate. You seem to be. Yeah, yeah, I, I am. I, I just think that the. Uh, but, you know, I'm. Obviously, losing McCann is, is enormous. You, you got to win a game on your home uh, ice surface. And, and, and I know they won game two. But, but you know, the, the Kraken won it, that game with McCann. Game two was three to two. You know, three minutes. Yeah. And and the Kraken found a way to get it done. They looked like the better team the whole game. No, I, I understand that. I, I'm just saying out. some of that was driven by emotion. And I mean, they, and they channeled it properly. Credit to them. I mean, they clearly were furious at McCarr. And they took some runs at him, but how many penalties did they take? They had eight at penalty McCarr? minutes as a team. No, no, but I'm saying oh, running at McCarr. Zero. That would be zero. None. That would be zero. Yeah. Zero. They were disciplined. They, they were, they were so smart. So they channeled their aggression productively. And for one game, Donato can step in. He's a guy who hardly plays. He steps in for McCann. 
and for a couple of periods, they're okay. My argument would be, and I could very easily be proven wrong on this, that Donato won't play 16, 18 no, minutes they'll, they'll like shuffle, that. They'll shuffle their lines I, I know, but yeah. they didn't last night. Which they is just put him in that place. But I'm saying he didn't have to do it for 60 minutes. And for at least 60 minutes, he'll have to do it tomorrow night and in game six. And I question, <laughs> I think we'll see the difference between Donato and McCann in games five and six. Georgiev was fantastic. That's one of the reasons to be excited about it, I think. Georgiev with that 930 save percentage last night, 40 saves on 43 and, uh, attempts. Who, and and Grubauer down to 909. Yeah, yeah. And, Grubauer and, wasn't sharp. Two goals on 22 shots. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't great. But, but you know, they weren't putting – it was like game one. They didn't do that But much I don't think the Avs even actually had that many high-quality shots. No, I agree. I agree so I, I really did not think completely. that Grubauer was off all, all that good. No, and so I, I, I think I, the goaltending advantage is very real. Well, yeah, and I listen. Grubauer is playing maybe a little over his head in this series. I mean, it's his former team, after all, that mm-hmm. decided they didn't want to pay him six million dollars, right? They but pay they're him. not paying Georgiev six million either. Yeah. So I, but they wanted to everybody pay has their own motivation, and he's viewing it as an insult that the Avs, after he had had a pretty good year wouldn't give him $6 million a year. And obviously Seattle would. Well, And he hasn't played up to that so far for Seattle. But against the Avalanche, he seems to be uh, motivated. But I agree with you. Uh, the Avalanche have to get more than 22 shots. And get, it's no excuse for giving up more than 40 shots to Seattle. They shouldn't be giving up more than 20 to 25 shots in a game to Seattle, and they gave up 43 last night. Heck, they almost had 20 shots in the first period last mm-hmm. night, didn't they? Yes, they did. It was uh, it was ugly. The uh, Avalanche now come back to Denver. They need a win, and if you are hurt, you need to hire a winner as well. Why don't you talk to our friends at Burnham Law? BurnhamLaw.com, the phone number 720-845-7001. Their personal injury attorneys have years of experience fighting for their clients, and when you're injured, they'll push for you to get your maximum recovery whether that's by settlement or by trial. They're available everywhere. Fort Collins, Boulder, Westminster, Cherry Creek, Colorado Springs, even Cheyenne, and the main office right here where we are in the DTC. When you're injured and when you're seriously hurt, don't just find somebody on TV. Go find someone who is a proven winner. That's Burnham Law. BurnhamLaw.com, 720-845-7001. The Denver Nuggets look to close this out. Tonight against the Minnesota Timberwolves feels a little bit like maybe the Timberwolves are actually satisfied with winning just the game they won. I'll explain next on My Life Sports. Sandy Clough and Sean Trotar presented by Burnham Wall. Hire the winner at BurnhamLaw.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. Shake, 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 Sinora. Shake your body liner. Shake, 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 Sinora. Good pull by Danny time. Bailey there. <laughs> Harry Belafonte passes away today at the yeah, age of 96. Sorry to hear that. Monumental uh, career, not only in music, but a life outside of music. Oh, a very, what a very life. What significant. A life. Very so, close uh, friend of Dr. Martin Luther King's. 
obviously, you know, one of the greats. Yeah, one of the, you know, the true uh, the true greats. Harry Belafonte passes away today at the age of uh, ninety six. A singer, actor, civil rights activist. Absolutely, uh, that is a life well lived. You know, there, there are certain people you're drawn to. Uh, you know, they and they 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 can be public people. Most of the time, they they are public people you never will meet. And he was one of them for me. Uh, really, for the last. 55 years of my life, I'd say. My really just, um, as we sidetrack it there, a little uh, brought Calypso music. That's yeah. born in Harlem, yeah. but uh, brought Calypso music to sort of the national media there. And, and, and then it propagated across radio stations. It really became part of the sort of American zeitgeist a, a bit. And that, that career of his, uh, pretty remarkable. And, and they, it came at the right time because, um, that is, is uh, the big album bringing Calypso music, literally yeah. called Calypso, a very you know huge album in, in the fifties. The uh, the first LP in history to ever sell a million copies within a single year. Now, obviously, that's been done a thousand times over and over again, but that was the first time it it had ever happened, and it was the first million million selling album ever in England in history. Yeah. So, I mean, you know yeah. that you are doing something special and you've really you know literally changed the world when you do something like that did that that album by the way 31 weeks at number one 58 weeks in top 10 99 weeks on the u.s charts still to this date or billboards history uh the fourth longest run of that of that uh, in history and that's from 1956 and that obviously started off a, a, a remarkable career that really uh many ways never really ended I mean, this is a, a man that worked really diligently, at, not only in the civil rights world, but even uh, as a musician, really, uh, over the course of, of uh, his life. So, uh, uh, yeah, obviously a, a big loss, a big loss to the really uh, the American musical community and maybe even culture at, at, at large. Oh, no doubt. But uh, at the Culturally, age of 96, uh, you're talking about an opportunity to celebrate uh, you know, an, extraordinary, an extraordinary life. So good, good pull by Danny there. Yep. The Denver Nuggets have an opportunity to finish off the... Minnesota Timberwolves tonight after losing uh, game four in, in a game in which they they were a little dis, uh, disassociated yeah, until yeah. late when they realized yeah. Minnesota might Oops. actually cough this game up. Yes. So uh, let's see if we can steal it. But I suspect almost did. that almost that actually will just redouble the Nuggets effort to like, look, huh. if, we, if we play well, these, these guys got – they got their win. They didn't get embarrassed. They know they can't beat the Nuggets. They certainly know they can't beat them three more games in a row, no. with two of them being in Denver. So I I just got the impression that they were willing to check out in game four and might have if Anthony Edwards wasn't such a singular talent that he basically dragged them across the finish they, line himself. They were ready to quit, but Anthony Edwards, for reasons he said after the game, yeah, were quite it. personal, mm-hmm. was not ready to quit. And he kept going. Conley gave them, at the very least, a very professional game, best played game in the series for Conley. It was game four. And that was enough. They got a little bit from Towns before he fouled out. They got a little bit from Gobert. Probably about as much as you're going to get from Gobert. And they, frankly, and they surprised the Nuggets with the way they covered Jamal Murray. And, and if, they crowded Murray. And if they yeah. do it again, which, quite frankly, I would if I were them, but there's. The difference here is the, the Nuggets expect it and now probably have a counter to it, or at least know what they want to do when it occurs. Murray, I would hope, would have yeah. a, a and, counter and, to and it. keep and in mind, the 
Uh, Porter will be better. No, tonight. no injuries for the Nuggets, but Kyle Anderson will miss the game. Remember, he got hit by he a got teammate. hit in the eye. But uh, it was friendly fire by yeah, Edwards. By yep, yeah, by Edwards, who was they, they both went up and tried to block a shot. Right. Uh, Edwards missed, got the finger right in, the, and then the eye. And I mean, uh, Anderson was you know bleeding. Uh, they're a little little bit scary, and he is not going to play so tonight. So they don't have Anderson, and they don't have Nasri, or and they McDaniels. don't have McDaniel's. <laughs> Yikes! In other words, so, and arguably, uh, besides uh, Alexander Walker, those are three of their four best defensive players. And Anderson, however, ineffectively, has spent some time guarding Jokic in this yep. in this series. So you lose that. Now, it, it's got to be. He's been an irritant. It, they're going to have to have Towns. And Gobert exclusively yep. on uh, Jokic, and and at least you could use some of Anderson's fouls uh, guarding Jokic. Now you can't even use his fouls. Uh, and Towns fouled out the other night, mm-hmm. even though he wasn't on Jokic full time. No, but when he was, he got chewed up. I mean, uh, Jokic put and him on spit sp- out. Yeah, yeah, Jokic put him on the spin cycle all every time he was on him. Well, he um, can't guard Jokic. He can't. Now, I, you know, and I'm not like sure. It. Five years ago, when you know there, there were times where Towns would be a little better offensively than Jokic, but e- even during those times, that uh, game for a playoff spot in 2018, last game of the year, game 82, Jokic had 35, Towns had 26. Now Towns was very competitive against Jokic in that game, but it wasn't like Jokic couldn't score off. Yeah. I, even five years ago. So, and and now Jokic is Jokic a is much better shooting. player than he was. Even in, keep in mind, you know, Gobert, a multiple-time defensive player of the year is on him. In this and, series. And Gobert can't really guard shoot, him either. Jokic is shooting 57%. Yeah. From both the field and three, 57%. Yes. Yes. And I, I mentioned this yesterday, but I thought more about it, and I'm even more convinced that if there was a silver lining in the loss the other night for the Nuggets, it was that Nikola Jokic discovered the three ball. Rediscovered the three ball. And now it is part of his arsenal that Minnesota has to respect. And if it's Gobert, you want to drag drag him out there. He wants to stay in that paint. And he's, he's by far their best rebounder. Yes. Oh, it's not even close, actually, because a Towns, even for his size, is not that aggressive. It is parked outside. No, he, he's not a good away. rebounder. And frankly, Prince doesn't rebound. Alexander Walker doesn't rebound. Conley doesn't rebound, although for a point guard, he's okay. Uh, Edwards can rebound a little bit, but that's five or six a game. Right. Uh, the Nuggets, my, my prediction is the Nuggets will get 90 to 95 shots tonight up. They will kill Minnesota on the offensive boards, and that will be among many factors decisive in determining the outcome. I I think the Nuggets are interested in making sure that that Edwards doesn't go completely berserk, doesn't go full Jimmy Butler, but quite frankly at this stage, if you even slow down Townsend Gobert, you'll win this game going away, oh, yeah. no, no and, matter what and, Edwards and, does. And give, you know, Edwards has averaged 37 a game the last three. I'm I'm discounting uh, yes. game number one. Right. Where but but the last three, right, 37 points per He's game. He's been great. You know what? I, I give him, I don't know, 37 might be a little high, but I'd give him 30 to 35. I'm okay with it. And as long as the other guys challenge aren't doing the other anything. guys to score 20, yep. any of them. Yep, I feel any comfortable of them. with that. And they won't have enough points to win under those circumstances. Uh 
you know, when I, I look at last night, I'm not sure who impressed me more. Um, I, I have a hint, but LeBron did something last <laughs> night that he had never done in his entire career. So I'm asking you, who was more impactful last night? Butler with 56 points, nine rebounds, two assists, a block, and just one turnover in 41 minutes, or LeBron with his first 2020 game ever. 22 points, 20 rebounds, seven assists, two blocks, again, just one turnover in 45 minutes. Wilt was the last 2020 guy of LeBron's age group. Right. LeBron's 38. Wilt 38, was 36. Right. In 1973, when he had a 2020 game, but I, I I'd have to lean toward I, Butler. I'd have to lean toward Butler. I would, but but barely. But boy, not, it, it's barely. a very close call. It's like a 51-49 call. I, I tried to watch as best as I could because obviously paying attention to the Avs game, but I had my uh, I had my iPad open in front of me as well, trying to kind of catch them both at the same time. And I, I will I will say this that um, LeBron's performance late, even just throwing the stats out, was that well, thing. And we've seen way up to tie the game with point one seconds. We've seen him do some eight. of these things before. Yeah, and, and he he called that a zone three layup, which he practices laying it up he above said, the he square. Says he has different. Yeah, he Levels, called it zone three. Zone it was a design three. layup above the square to drop above it in. The square. It yeah. wasn't luck. He's made that practice and made that shot. He, he's I'm practices. Not surprised. Yeah, I, the, I'm not surprised. And there was never any doubt. He got the ball and he went right to it. That and they had seven or eight seconds. He could have fiddled around for a second or two. He but he's didn't. smart enough to understand. Maybe I'll still get a rebound if I miss. Yeah. Go right at yeah. it. And I thought, and they got away with a poor game from Davis, who apparently has got a bad hip. Right again, which he I mean, injured. Yeah. Four for 13 shooting. Uh, it's a problem. What, what I really was impressed with with LeBron last night, I really was. And um, you just got, that was one of those type of, of games where he has been kind of called out and challenged by Dylan Brooks, who don't tug on Superman's cape. What are you doing? And, Dylan Brooks. Who, by the way, who, by the way. Dylan Brooks had a bad game and it did Nothing. And by the way, after LeBron James minutes. basically just rubbed your nose in it by by picking the Lakers up, putting them on his shoulder and saying, yeah, I'm 38, but we're not losing this bleeping game. Uh, I'll handle it. And that's basically what he did. And uh, Dylan Brooks chumped out. Wouldn't even do the postgame interview. Literally said, I'm out and, and wouldn't wouldn't do it. Okay, you, you just got you want hey, to do that. You called him out. You challenged him. You kicked him in uh, the the nether regions. I mean, it, it, listen, you've done everything you do in this series. He's kicking your butt. Own up to it, and it, it, acknowledge. Oh, and now you made him mad. And now, now you made him yeah, mad. And, and now and, he wants and you're to. Down, you're down three one. Here's the, the funny thing. And he wants to take you out more than anything. LeBron else. James. You, for, for everything he's accomplished in his career, one of the things that we, we've talked about this kind of personality before, uh, I'm not going to do the whole LeBron James Kobe stuff because it's the laziest radio ever, but uh, Kobe wanted to embarrass you. There are players that want to embarrass you. Steph Curry wants to embarrass you. There are players out there like that. There are also luminous players like Nikola Jokic and Giannis that are just better. 
They don't need to embarrass you. They're just going to go out there and be better. LeBron James is more of the latter than the former. LeBron James is out there. He's like, I'm just going to go be the best player on the court, and we're going to win the game. Dylan Brooks foolishly switched LeBron into the other column, which I've only seen him in a handful of times. One of those was when he was blocking a layup from behind on the way to winning a championship. Even at 38, what sort of fool are you <laughs> to decide to literally get LeBron James? You fool! Who is who is basically a guy that's just, I'm just going to be better. To literally, like, I am now going to set fire to your team out of revenge. That's basically what he did. I, I, I don't even care if Anthony Davis doesn't play in the next game. The Lakers are going to obliterate the Grizzlies. Explain something to me. What has Dylan Brooks done in particular? And I don't remember that he was like this at Oregon. I'm sorry, I don't. And and he uh, beat Kansas out of a tournament game one year. And I, I, I remember him as being a good player. I don't remember him as being this kind of jerk. What, what has he done in particular? Or, for that matter, what have the Grizzlies done generally to warrant this kind of yappiness? He averages 14 they, points they, a game while shooting talk, 39% on they, the season. They talk all the time, and I know his specialty is defense, but LeBron wasn't bothered by him. It uh, doesn't seem night. like it. And I, I don't know what they think they've done. And isn't there an adult in the organization who can just tell some of these guys to be quiet yeah, what are you, and, what are you and shut up. Uh, I mean, Morant misses a free throw that probably would have won them the game. Terrible. Eight for 24. Yeah. I, I thought he was bad. Awful. I, I thought he was bad. And when he when his game wasn't going well, he decided to just try to plow into LeBron, yeah. see if he could get something out of that. They, they were bad. Um, I, I, I didn't think any of them. Even when they were at 97-90 uh, with just uh, – what was it, 456 left in the game? And Morant, they were up 102-100, mm-hmm. minute four left. He's got two free throws. He misses one. If he makes it, it's 103-100. I think they probably win the game. I think they probably win the game because Lakers are going to have to make a three somewhere in the last minute. Because he missed, they didn't have to do that. And LeBron's drive to the basket for two points, tied the game, and sent into overtime, and there was never any doubt about the Lakers winning the game once the overtime began. No, no, they, they, they were, were never. They were really just uh, they were the challenged team. in the overtime. Here's yeah. the. Uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll be back with with more but of it. Did, but, did you know this? Oh. That no seven seed has beaten a two I since didn't know San Antonio did it 13 years ago. Really, very unusual. We talked about hmm. seven and eights and the futility. Yeah. over recent times against uh, twos and ones, and even six seeds haven't done all that well. Although I think, I think Golden State and the Lakers, I think Golden State's got to win a road game here. But if Fox has a broken finger, maybe that's an edge they they have now. And I, I, Lakers are up three one. I don't think they're going to blow that. It it would be hard to envision for sure. And uh, and we'll find out. But yeah, looking at the NBA. Boy, sort of that parody this year? I don't know. I don't know. We'll look at the NBA playoffs and the Denver Nuggets. Uh, it's kind of a um, everything old is new again. Didn't seem like when the playoffs started, but take a zoom out. And uh, if you're one of those guys that does not lament the 
David Stern administration of the NBA. You're not necessarily going to love it. I'll explain next on Mile High Sports. This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. I want to remind you that baseball is back. The push for the postseason is on for hockey and hoops, so make it all count this spring with Superbook Sports. Superbook Sports is the best wagering app around with a direct line to experienced bookmakers behind the counter in Las Vegas. And right now, you get a $250 bonus when you sign up, deposit, and wager in the same day. And why would you not do that if you're depositing? Of course, you know, make, make, a, make a wager. Get yourself some uh, bonus money right there. So don't let spring pass you by without winning money with Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Sandy, I'd be remiss if I did not <laughs> mention. You're never remiss. Oh, I am remiss at times, believe me. But the uh, 40th anniversary of what would become one of the momentous moments in Colorado sports history happened today, back in 1983, when the NFL draft was held and John Elway was the first pick selected by the then Baltimore Colts. That happened 40 years ago today. Now, Elway was not traded to the Broncos until May 2nd. Correct. I remember where I was that night. I was at a Nugget playoff game with the San Antonio Spurs, and uh, you've never seen press row when there was such a thing at Old McNichols Arena as a press row that was filled clear out faster than it did when word came that the press conference would be taking place uh, I'm guessing around 8.30 or so at night. Uh, the Nuggets were well ahead at the half. They're down 3-0 in the series to San Antonio. They weren't going to win the series. Press row cleared out. There might have been three people, four people left, and they were the two radio people doing a game for the Spurs and the Nuggets. That <laughs> I was it. Everybody else. I, I, I do was remember, I remember at, it very well. and I, I was Out at uh, 58th and Logan. I was younger uh, at that point, and and I, but I do remember that you know Elway was a a, a big deal. I, I had just I have I had been in football. I've been in the Broncos for a few years, you know, growing up here, um, and I just just started to understand how football worked. Didn't didn't play played soccer and baseball instead, but uh, but I was starting to understand it, and I remember because uh, I woke up getting ready to go to school or whatever it was. I don't remember what, what day of the week it was. Probably getting ready to go to school. So I'm not a morning person. That's the only reason I'd be up that early. But I remember my father taking the old Rocky Mountain News, and it was on the, it was on the table for breakfast. And I literally walked down, and I, I actually, I, one of my things when I was a kid, my parents were like, read the newspaper in the morning. They would want me to read. Uh, but my dad just tapped the, the headline. <laughs> he just tapped the headline uh, of, the, of the Rocky that, that, that day when Elway was traded. And I, I do remember that. I remember reading it. I'm like, wait a minute. And I kind of looked at my dad, and he kind of nodded and gave me kind of a thumbs up. He's like, that's going to be good. And uh, obviously, for the Broncos, that was the really redefined their 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 franchise. But uh, years ago, when I was writing for Page 2 on ESPN, if you remember that, if you're old enough to remember that, we went through a, basically the lop, most lopsided trades in the history of sport. And I actually went and, and dug it up. And there's been some bad ones since. But that came in at number two. Well, L.A. traded for the rights to Mark Herman, quarterback, yeah. Chris Hinton, who was Chris a borderline was a Hall of, of Famer. Player. 
really, he really good player. player. And a first-round pick in 84, which ended up being Ron Solt. Right. Yee. That's a bad trade. Uh, second biggest trade, or second most lopsided trade in the history of sports. Um, and it probably still is. Up there with some others. It's up there. And, uh, of course, the big one still is you know, Babe Ruth for a loan. Bag of baseballs. <laughs> yeah, not the best deal no. ever. But, I mean, obviously. Bag of baseballs, but it was a loan, yes. For, uh, yeah, he, he wanted to put on a Broadway play. Uh, wanted to put on and, No No and people Nanette. Don't, people don't understand this. When he was traded from the Red Sox, they had won World Series with him. He was already considered the best player in baseball. And that's how or real close the curse to of the Bambino came to be because they trade him. What, after 1919, was it, that they uh, dealt him? Or before the season in before, Yeah, before the season. Okay. Yeah. Now he, he, won, he, he won, just yes. pitched them and did some hitting, too, yeah. uh, to they, a they, World they, Series they, title. Yeah. He was a hell of a pitcher. He was coming off of their World Series. Hell of a pitcher. Win. Right. Yeah. Well, up until, up until honestly, and a very, dude, obviously only a few a years ago, usually good uh, he still had, and I, I'm, I'm spacing the stat right now, but up until only literally in the last decade, Babe Ruth still had the most a number of uh, a something. I can't remember if it was wins or something, but like in World Series history, it was a significant stat. Well, he was in more than one World Series. They won, yeah. They they won it's very good five with. <laughs> and you know, people think of Babe Ruth as as being this portly guy, who, you know, couldn't move. And yeah, that was true in the 1930s. <laughs> yeah, Babe Ruth in the was 20s, actually he was stocky, a but... very well-conditioned athlete yeah. who was more than willing on days he wasn't pitching to hit. But even back then, he wanted to be paid accordingly, and the Red Sox wouldn't pay him. Uh, the Yankees fought with Ruth over money, but... Essentially, the end, they, they, they were, realized we're not going to lose him over that. And 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 Jane Levy wrote a wonderful book on on Babe Ruth a few years back, demonstrating in the book how even the Yankees got off cheap with respect to Babe sure Ruth. Did. That he was worth so much more to the Yankees than what they paid him, and she documents all of it. And. If anything, he was the most underrated major professional sports player of all time. Most underpaid. Oh, almost certainly. Most underpaid. But yeah, 40 years ago today, John Elway selected first overall. He was. Uh, traded to the Broncos, obviously, uh, just he about was. a week later after everything that Elway and his father and agents told the Colts that they would not play for them and they didn't believe him. And of course, the overlap is John Elway that summer to bolster his claim that I have other options. Played in the minor leagues yes. for the New York Yankees. And was a credible and was actually player. a pretty yeah. good player, enough that it was enough of a threat. Yeah. The enough Yankees would have been more than happy to throw him in right field with that rocket launcher. The, the, the only area in, in which John and his father Jack were, were not necessarily totally honest. Even, you know, it's hard to believe in today's world where, you know, and, and even back then, you know, players got coaches fired or managers fired mm -hmm. all the time, right? But the notion that Elway would come out and say, it has nothing to do with Baltimore, I don't want to play, and my father doesn't want me to play, or Frank Cush. Right. It, it was considered a non-starter mm -hmm. from a public relations point well, of view. Well, he was already considered a, a 
truth is, he was already considered sort of a brat by the time Denver had him. I mean, that's how he got branded. Bradshaw branded him that way. Mm-hmm. John never forgot that, by the way. Um, and the only reason John gave any thought whatsoever to coming back in 1999 was that he wanted to do something that even Bradshaw, and for that matter, Montana, never did, and that was win three really? Super Bowls in a row. That was the only thing that gave him the slightest pause, but it was... I don't think it would have happened. Was more than uh, I think he, overwhelmed by the condition of his knees and how he yeah. felt every day when he woke up. Way by the way, of course, we're talking about that. Traded to the Broncos on May second, but retired it, on May second. Uh, on May second, and mm-hmm. and delayed his retirement because of Columbine, as uh, Frank DeAngelis mm-hmm. explained to us uh, last week, and uh, Ernie, of course, he had a great line. When he found out years later that Elway had just not wanted to play for Frank Cush, he said, if I had known that at the time, I'd have fired Cush. <laughs> well, yeah, obviously. <laughs> I mean, if that was all it took. But, again, for for reasons that had a lot to do with public relations, that they basically stuck to their I – mean, we told Baltimore not to draft him, and they drafted him anyway, and people got the impression that he wanted to stay on the West Coast, and that that was not true, obviously. Um, and, and that he didn't like Baltimore and it had nothing to do with Baltimore. The truth of the matter. And uh, John Stedman, great columnist in Baltimore was the one guy who, who saw through it and knew why John Elway didn't want to play for the Colts. And it was all because Frank Cush was the coach and uh, Jack Elway had been a coach, knew all about Frank Cush, uh, knew he was a Lombardi wannabe and uh, did not want John playing for that guy. In uh, quarterback news, right before we skip out of here, the Bengals uh, exercised Joe Burrow's fifth-year option today. Uh, in the, oh, that's a shocker. I mean, yeah, in the you know water is wet level of obvious. Why would you not do that? Water so, is wet. Uh, yes, the, the quote from the organization, this is a mechanical step along the way. Yeah, Actually, yeah I'll bet Probably it. right. So uh, <laughs> Joe Burrow gets his fifth-year option picked up. Uh, we are going to let things get picked up by our friends Anilo Piro and Cody Rourke on Afternoon Drive. Thanks to Zach Zegers for joining us. Follow him over at MileySports.com for everything on the buffs. Danny Bailey's in the booth making everything sound good. Andrew Detmer is on the cameras in here making it look good. You can catch that on MileHighSports.com or on the free Mile High Sports app, which is the best way to make sure you get everything on demand anytime you'd like. Thanks for joining us. We will be back tomorrow for Santa Claus. I'm Sean Drotar. This is Mile High Sports. <laughs>